Kia orana and welcome to episode 25. Today we caught it all with Julia Mangiao Gray, a dancer, mark maker, storyteller. Of Papua New Guinean heritage, she talks to us about her practice, about women's traditional roles in mark making, and reviving the old to the new old. Whakarongo mai. Kia ora, I'm Kiani. You know, we live in a media-saturated world, but we're not exactly drowning in our stories. We all know indigenous storytelling started in the stars, but like a night without stars, there was a blank space where our stories should have been shining. So I invite you to come and hang out with me and some kick-ass indigenous wahine. See how the world can be shaped by our voice, the unique picture that we see. Let us share who we are and not who we've been told to be. No mai, hide mai, and welcome to Nuku. All right, so kia ora to Julia Mangiao Gray. Um, thank you for inviting us to your whare today. And um, being Nuku number 25. So we're, we're a quarter of the way there. You're marking a milestone. <laughs> 25 can I be 25 uh, I don't have those powers but I, <laughs> I could ask <laughs> um now we're in your fuddy today because you are a, a kick-ass indigenous woman but be doing some really really cool stuff here in Aotearoa um that a lot of us are not really familiar with um which is uh what I learned this morning Makmak. Yep. So that's a Melanesian tattoo. Mm-hmm. And then dance. What do you call your dance? Uh, Danis. It depends. We have over 800 living languages in Papua New Guinea. So um, depending on your area, um, yeah, is the word. But Danis, so Tokpisan is one of the national languages. So Danis, dance, makmak, marks. Um, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I think the thing to say, though, or to make note of is we don't really, uh, um, what is the word? We don't have a colonised approach to the way we talk about our, quotation marks, art forms. Yep. Um, so dance and mark, danis and mark mark are not actually separate. They're um, one and the same as as well as our music, our song. So it's expression. It's an expression. So, um, yeah, we don't really, uh, which is really hard to sort of identify to others, you know, oh, so you're a filmmaker, you're a, uh, it's just easier to say artist, but you use mm. whatever you can because that's what our old people would have done. Yeah. Use whatever they had <laughs> to get their message, their stories across for the next generation. So you're of... Papua New Guinean and Australian heritage. Yes. Where were you born and raised? Uh, born and raised in Papua New Guinea. Um, the first part of my childhood was uh, Port Moresby and Melbourne, Port Moresby, Rabaul and Melbourne and then Darwin. So, yeah, lots of, um, yeah, Papua New Guinea and Australia. So I think we moved to Australia when I was 10 Um and went underwent massive culture shock and finally made our way to New Zealand in 2016 because Australia is ugly 
Mm. Mm. Yeah. We we had a corridor <laughs> with Mojo Juju uh, for Nuku number two, and she's of Aboriginal, Australian, and uh, Filipino heritage. And just talking about her upbringing in Australia, even to this day, <laughs> where, yeah, nah, where she ugly. experiences racism often. It's normal. What What was Papua New Guinea like growing up? I've never been there. I hear lots and lots of uh, really negative oh, of things course, about yeah. the political situation that's happening there at the moment. Um, what was it like for you as a child? Uh, so I was born before independence um, and then independence was 1975. And so, um, yeah, it awesome place, really, um, you know, islands, it's, I suppose you um, take diversity for granted and, uh, yeah, it, just a, a beautiful place to live. Um, but I think as time's gone on, it's become more dangerous, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that our colonisers, our parents, I suppose, um, in this new world um, were Australian. And mm-hmm. so... Um, you are you 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 know when you're raised by a particular type of people, you take on those traits without reali- realizing. So I think Australia and Papua New Guinea, um, uh, what's the word? PNG for me today is um, incredibly diverse, um, and it's dangerous, but it's no more dangerous than you know other parts of the world. And the media has a really large part to play in that um, sort of selling Papua New Guinea as. Um, you know they take it overboard, um, but if you if you're what's the word? If you're not um, if you're privileged and entitled, Papua New Guinea is a hard place to live because you expect your um, to be safe at all times. Mm. Um, you just keep your eyes open, and um, it's a land of opportunists, and that's just what it is. It's it's such an incredible place, but people are. Um, allow their fear to stop them from visiting but yeah if you can go you should it will just give you a completely different perspective on um yeah Oceania and how original how the originals actually lived Mm. um as opposed to yeah there's just so much I could carry on but I'm not making sense (laughs) it's just you know it's not boring and I think a lot of people um also don't quite have a good understanding of Papua New Guinea and West Papua. Oh, yeah. And that there is a difference between the two, but there's also obviously... Oh, well, the the difference is who who our colonisers are, Mm. that's all. But we are the same people. Mm. Um, We are... are, It's horrific, actually, when you think of West Papua um, and... We have 800 living languages, but what's been recorded in West Papua, how much have they already lost? Um, you know, it's it's so horrific. Um, yeah, it, there's not even we, – we, we're having – we're catching up on um, knowledge that's being lost. We're catching it now. But in West Papua, there's no – we just don't know what we're losing over there and um, – yeah, it's completely different. It's just our colonizers are different and they are not independent as um but we are. Mm. But yeah. When when you were living in Australia, um did you still hold on to your PNG culture? Were were you still able to I don't think it's that we held on to it. I think it's just that we are. Yeah. And um 
our parents um, encouraged us to not um, assimilate. Mm. Um, and that's just because they were forward thinkers. Um, and I think my mother was like, you know, she was one of the first Papua New Guinean women to get a scholarship in Sydney at, you know, these prestigious schools. Um, so she'd had a really good idea of what it was to be the token um, Papua New Guinean. So, mm. yeah, and then my father was just, he was raised um, for his later teen years in Papua New Guinea. So they, they just understood um, the way both places are and, yeah, and then we're just, you know, you need to know who you are and, yeah, didn't sort of ask us to be white. Mm. <laughs> didn't know how <laughs> else to say that, but, yeah. What When you were younger... What did you think you were going to do in your career pathway? Dance. So it was always dance. Yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so, yeah, still doing it. It is actually the um, the basis of everything because I think, um, and this is what uh, people need to understand about languages, it's not just verbal. Um, languages are physical and um, languages are oral, as in from your ears, as in what you hear. So this whole um, relying on just your words and just the language to connect you to place, past and present is not enough. You can have the words, but if you don't have the thinking and understanding how our bodies um, hold um, all of our old people's thinking, then you can't, you can't possibly... Um, revive and keep things alive if you're just using words because that is still um, our colonizers, you know, that's the way they do things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, yeah, and learning about your body and how to hold yourself and how how we are in space and how our bodies um, respond to different, like that is a completely different language and not enough people dance. They just, people need to know what that is. So, yeah, and dance not in the balangi sense either. So, yeah. And I think that's what I think that's what often people think of when they hear the word dance. They hear of a, they think of a dance move, mm, a particular move or a dance craze yeah. or, a, or learning. <laughs> I do Zumba. Not that there's anything wrong with Zumba, but, yeah. <laughs> learning to dance. Yeah. So what is the difference between what you do and what we see as dance is is their music is their mm. a prescribed uh action well if you separate what dance is for colonizers or colonized perspective um you'll have your answer mm. so basically to be performed at or to be the performer is not um what dance is for us dance was used as a tool to um highlight and epitomize everything that that we held as our different cultures um, at, at, at the peak, at the best of what we could present ourselves with. So when you dance, would you wear like what, what you, you, you wore your best, um, the way you moved reflects how your people think. Um, so as soon as you can understand what you're looking at, the visual language, and that's not just with um, the movement, it's also what you put on your body, and that's mark mark, that's your bilas, um, and how you move to accentuate what you're wearing. And then the songs you sing and what you sing about. I mean, that, like, that's all a language that people just don't, um, 
uh, they don't look into and people are people are afraid to move people are afraid to be in their bodies and i think that's why um the work that i do centers around um learning to love yourself physically everything and sort of redefine what it is that um you know we've been taught to hate about ourselves and so yeah enough of that shit you know mm. just dance <laughs> <laughs> now talking about languages makmak is is a language mm. and um we have tamoko we have tatao we have tatatao we have across across oceania we have all different names yet it's it's the lines and the symbols that speak to our culture and our heritage and our families and our genealogy and, and mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the uniqueness of makmak? Because the, the patterns and the lines are quite distinct and quite different to what we see in Polynesian or Māori tattoos. Um, gosh. Uh, I, it's funny – uh, I actually only see the similarities. Um, mm. So when talking about the differences, um, the differences come from your surroundings and your habitat and your context. So, um, yeah, so it's the designs will tell you um, what part, what area, who you're connected to, all of those things. Um, I think uh, the difference no, there's actually no difference. What the marks do, and the, and it is for all cultures, uh, they are marks of transition. Um, and for us, it was a woman's practice, um, and it's still, and we're still sort of trying to um, come out of survival mode and, and move into revival mm-hmm. um, properly. But um, it's a woman's practice still, and I think our issues today, or our challenges that we're sort of facing. Um, and especially doing this mahi in Aotearoa, is um, women mark women, women choose what that is, older women. Um, so it, it really does come down to when you walk through the doors, it's not an I want moment. It's uh, um, I need to mark this transition. And then we have um, a discussion and work that out. And I know that in the past, that's definitely what it was. Our women marked, you know, their daughters, the the young girls. Um, men weren't around because different society, different roles. Um, so, which is why, you know, men weren't marked as extensively. Mm-hmm. They were doing other things. Um, but today, I think the similarities are that uh, you can see the patterns connect us all the way back to Southeast Asia um, and beyond. We were in Morocco um, last year at this time and you could see the connection between women. And I think what needs to be recognised um, and is coming to the fore today um, is recognising that marks were specifically done by women um, in all cultures and colonisation um, and times have changed, um, yeah, the uh, men's part in that. So um, I think, you know, it's been across the board, but I think women were, um, they started it. That's my my belief. It, it comes from us. A lot of the symbols are, yeah, we're connected mm-hmm. totally. Are there certain areas of That was the- a really long that's answer. A, that's <laughs> a great answer. I'm really fascinated. Are there certain areas of the body that – uh, represent different things or different transitions. So, Māori we have Mokokawai, Samoan culture, they have Malu, 
Is there something oh, specific? Um, culturally, in, in Papua New Guinea, depending on what area, um, so it, you started as a young girl um, and there were different parts of the body that were marked to sort of um, uh, to to signal where they were at. And so by the time in, in one area, um, more to if you marked under the armpit area or the the torso, um, that meant that um, you were betrothed. Mm. Um, the face means when you're, your face is marked, um, you were married. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of different, um, yeah, different areas. But it's, yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, it, it. They are. They're just marks of transition. Is is it Vengia? Vengia. Vengia. In Fiji, yes. Vengia. Vengia. <laughs> and is that your bum? Ah, uh, no. It's um the. It's the word for tattooing. Oh right. Uh, Wenengia is the um the patterns that you work with. Um, and forgive me if I get this wrong. I'm not Fijian, but this is um what I've learnt over the years and what I've been um, working from as a base. But, uh, yeah, Fijian women, uh, like I said, we were so connected. Um, their patterns are very similar to parts of Papua New Guinea. And um, I've been lucky enough to, um, yeah, oh, what is the word, um, to be involved in trying to recreate um, a new movement that's reflected um and of a reflective of an old practice that they mm. did and have lost. Um, so Fijian women had their loins marked, wow. um, yeah, extensively. They're full-bodied as well, um, and they they too they were marking different parts of their lives, um, yeah, signifying whether or not they were married. And and they do they just tell you about you know your place, um, all of the marks wherever you are will tell you tell other people that are looking at you where you're at in society what your status is who your family is you know whether the the lines are, are clean and straight will tell you what tools were used you know all of those sorts of things so that's a nice segue to my next question which is what tools do you use because from what I understand you don't use uh, no machine. No machine. Yeah. No. I'll, um, I'm kind of glad because if I picked up a machine, I think um, I if I had picked up a machine early, um, I would have ignored um, the body and the process. And and what I've learned in the pace of this work is that it um, it makes you acknowledge um, every moment. So. Yeah, and you can't ignore it. You you've actually got to address different different times. Um, I don't use thorn. Um, yeah, just for hygiene purposes, I will use needles and whatnot. So hand poke and hand tap. Though I've been thinking about um actually yeah moving into thorn, um because I I just feel like it's time to to take that step and um, look at how our women marked so extensively, wow. so thoroughly with these tiny thorns, wow. <laughs> which are really painful. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give that a go. So that's my next, um, yeah, assignment for myself, wow. challenge. Do you make your own tools? Uh, I don't make the needles, but, yeah, but the, yeah, the, the rest. Tools? had to teach myself because... <laughs> Um, that yeah, my hands were cramping from hand poke. Mm. Um, so yeah, I had to pick up, teach, teach myself to make the tools, and um, 
yeah, I've just been working on them from there. So um, I think, yeah, quite rudimentary, but then I look at what our old women used and I just go, oh, look, you know, <laughs> if it works, it works. And, um, yeah. <laughs> what, um, what are your views on non or people not of, uh, say, Papua New Guinea heritage receiving makmak? I get asked this question a lot. Um, if you're open to the process, if you come in not demanding and asking and saying what you want, um, but if you're open to the process and in a way it's gifted to you, um, yeah, and you're open to that process, then it's then uh, then I'm fine with it. Um, and it is, and in saying that, it is up to the the person who's marking someone else's skin to be really careful about what they mark people with. Mm. Um, I would never mark um, someone who's, um, you know, there's familial patterns. There are designs that belong to families. Um, I would never mark those designs on someone. You know that that's why each 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 mark is bespoke for that person. It's um, and it can't be the same. It just cannot be the same. But it needs to be gifted. Mm. But if you like, I just saw. Uh, wow, triggered. I just had a memory. Um, just last week, my really good friend pulls up this photo of this of of her relative, and she says, "Have a look at this." Um, where did this come from? And I looked at it and it was so familiar and I couldn't, I couldn't, um, but it felt wrong, but it felt familiar. And I was going, no, this is a hand poke tattoo, but it's done by machine. And I was really confused. And then it hit me in the head that it was actually someone who had photocopied one of the women that I'd marked on her chest and taken that design and put it on her back. Oh my God. And I was, um, I was, I was sad. I am sad that um, that they're so hungry for the marks and the want to connect that they would they would do that. That they would disrespect and steal um, mm. from their own relative and put that on their back. And 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 those marks were specifically drawn on, designed for the woman that I marked, and they came from her body, my brain, our hearts. And then you just photocopy that, make a stencil, and then put it on the back and then use the machine. And then when I realized that that's what it was, like I looked at her chest and then I looked at this and then I went, oh, my gosh. They're like – and then I felt really – I felt violated and um, and I just wanted to go and like, you know, punch her in the head. But why would you do that? <laughs> like, but, you know, but at the same time they're just so hungry and they um, – People aren't taught, um, yeah, just it's I, I, me, me, want, want. I like it, I'll take it, and that that's what they do. Mm. Yeah, and that's the culture that we're actually dealing with. Yeah, or, or, yeah, I mean, like, if you want to eat, don't fill up on cake, you know, like, Mm. eat something nutritious. (laughs) (laughs) Sad. Did you, did you learn? Uh, these lines and these stories from someone within your family? Were they have they oh, been um, passed out? We dance, and so when we dance, you um, would we would draw on the marks, oh. um, and so 
I learned specifically from one family, um, all of their marks, we'd been drawing them on our skin. So not my area, but another area across Port Moresby. Um, yeah, so we just always, we, and then when you're doing dances from Papua New Guinea, you have to try, like, each area is completely different and then you need to be as authentic as possible to, you know, pay respect. And copyright is a massive thing or intellectual property or whatever mm-hmm. the words, but designs belong to different people and when you do them incorrectly, um, you ask for death in some way, whether wow. it's physical or something happens, like something negative will happen. Mm. Um so, you know, you live with that kind of knowledge all the time. So when you see blatant stealing and people day, like you realise that there are people, the ones that you can't see behind us or with us, and you realise that that, like, you, you you know, like what are you doing? Mm. Dumb. But, um, yeah, so we just grew up with it. So it was actually coming to New Zealand um, and realising that, Māori were making these marks on their body real when they were dancing. And so, yeah, and so that's how it kind of started. Just, yeah, let's make it real. So we we made a documentary (laughs) to encourage people (laughs) to um, to wear the marks or to, no, not even wear the marks, to actually um, talk to the old women and document as much as they could. That was the idea. And then it ended up while we're in Samoa with, pick up the tools and so yeah so that's how I'm here today Mm. so um how many documentaries have you made in your lifetime how many films have you made um oh yeah how many um well there's tep talk and then there's um lots of short films um yeah I wouldn't say they're just things that I want to put out there and then there's awesome people that go (laughs) I go I want to do this and then they go okay <laughs> actually, that's actually how it happens. Thank you, everyone in Sunameke. <laughs> um, so yeah, so but one major documentary, which is Tip Talk, and I'm now making the next one, um, and basically telling the next part of that story, which is um, transmission of knowledge and the next generation, and how yeah, what we've what we've been doing since the first documentary. Mm. Do you? Do you film? Do you direct? Do you produce? Do you do all of those things? Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever. All whatever. Of it. Yeah. You make it. <laughs> well, the thing is I've learned that if I rely, um, if I wait for someone else to do what other people think, like I just just don't put boundaries on yourself. If mm. you if you want it, if you want it to happen, make it happen. And like and just do it. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. Nike ad, my bad. <laughs> and you're I think recently, uh, over the last couple of months, you had some work at Vunilangi Vol Gallery. Oh, yeah, um, line blow you me. Yeah, and you... How people are lines. There was lots of... There were stories of women who were sharing the stories of their marks. Yeah. And then your daughter marked your mum. Yeah. Is that right? Well, can you... I wasn't there, but I heard all about it. What was... Can you tell me a little bit about the significance of that? <laughs> so our grandmothers were marked and our mothers weren't. Um, so wow. And was then that, a, that was a colonization. Yep, that's colonization and missionaries and and whatnot. So um, and Tep Talk sort of delves into that. But um, so yeah, there's a uh, our mothers weren't marked and 
And then part of us, all of the daughters are now marked quite heavily and we're a mess, you know. We we went to other people to get marked like, you know, some bikey whatever in Adelaide. <laughs> I've got marks, you know, where you just – we didn't know at the time. Like you just – you want to wear them. Mm. Um, but – uh, and I was actually just in Brisbane with Ranu, one of the women I started the documentary with, and she said to me in the documentary um, in Tep Talk, um, I will offer you my skin, you learn, I'll offer my skin and you can mark my daughters, which is what we're doing now is we're marking her daughters. Um, and she said to me in just our last um, interview last week, she said, um, What's really beautiful about the next generation, about our daughters, is their marks are so considered. Um, there is no patchwork, quilt work of um, marks that are stamped onto our bodies. They're actually, they, they fit and they move. And I think um, what we did at Vunilangi Vo was to actually um, give that back to our, to our mothers that aren't marked. And so um, Vasa marking her bubu, her grandmother, um, I mean, like it was, it was like my mum, for us it was like my mum sitting there going, well, when are you going to do my hand? <laughs> like when are you going to do it? So the pressure was real. But then when other people talk about it, it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. And I go, yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's beautiful. <laughs> the pressure was real. When are we doing it? This week? Next week? <laughs> and then I'm like, Vasa, my, you know, she's learning to mark on you and you're like demanding. <laughs> but, yeah, it was really, it was really beautiful um, to see that. And but at the same time, like just it's how it should be. Mm. So how many children do you have? I've I have two children. I have two children, Kyama and Vasa. Vasa is from my um my sister and um, my son is from me, but they've been raised together all their lives. Mm. And Vasa's story is really interesting um because her family were her Samoan family were the missionaries um that actually stopped the practice in Gabba Gabba village. Um, wow. And so that's the story we're telling. And um, and it's really interesting because it's kind of like she embodies that history. And we we just we, – we didn't realise it until we were in the village um, and Rana was looking at me and she's saying, hey, see that lady over there? And, you know, she was the last one, you know, um, they stopped her from being, and she's just, you know, half done and it's it's a bit of a, you know, the shame of not completing your marks. And so she's lived like that forever. And um, we're looking at her and we've kind of got sorrow in our hearts and then Vasa climbs down the stairs <laughs> of this and she says, oh, so half of me stopped it and the other half of me is bringing it back. And <laughs> Ranu and I were like, <gasps> you know, like, <laughs> oh, my God. And um, and then she just ran off to play with camera. How and, old was she? Uh, she would have been, oh, when were the Pacific Games? 2015? Wow. Yeah, yeah 2015. So, yeah, I think. But I'm really bad with years. <laughs> Dates, times. Well, how old is she now? She is 16. Oh, okay. So yeah. she's still quite young. Yeah, young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's been my stretcher the moment I started. She she has always stretched. Yeah. she's wow. Yeah, she's really good. When I hear you talk of the lady who's half finished, it makes me feel like a 
I would want to finish her. I know. But <laughs> I know. But she's quite old now. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it, yeah. I mean it would be great, but I, I yeah. It's it really for us it's just um we have to mark our children and our children have to mark their children. So mm. <laughs> that's how we're looking at it. Listen, learnt. So just with your mum, now that she's been marked, does she want more? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, okay, well, I've got my two hands done. <laughs> I'm like, okay, mum. <laughs> so, yeah, she goes, can you cover my scar? No, we're not covering your scar. <laughs> it's like this big dent in her leg from an um, bush knife oh incident when she was young. I'm like, you can't cover that up. It's like actually concave. <laughs> Um, You're still going to see it, mum. Yeah. (laughs) Now, your boo-boo is one of your, you know, greatest inspirations and and people in your life, almost kick-ass Indigenous woman that you had had Mm. mentioned. Who was she? What was she like? What did she do? Oh, far out. What did she do? She was just like, she was a woman, a mother, um, oh, strong. I think uh, she was always marked. We were always used to seeing her that way, but we didn't realize until after, after she'd passed away that her marks were completely different to the rest of the women in our area, mm-hmm. um, which then led me on this sort of um, realization. Like we realized that she was the last Mekel woman to wear Mekel marks. Um, yeah, in, in our family. And so, like, we didn't know that until we'd started Tep Talk and started doing this work. And um, so all of our women would go to the coast, to the coastal villages, um, Roro, and so we wear their designs. Um, yeah. And so taking Vasa back um, earlier this year in March um, was, yeah, really full on because um she wears puapua which is our word for um mak mak and we were interviewing one of these ladies in um Epua village or well she's from there but we were interviewing her and she was telling you know and she's got these rural these coastal women's designs and um uh, you know and she oh, she was pretty amazing like really amazing woman. She basically just told this story about how she how she made it happen by herself, even though um, it's a practice that's, you know, finished. Mm. Um, and then I said, oh, well, what do you think of um, – so I made Vasa stand up in front of her and she looked at Vasa and the realisation that Vasa was wearing our designs – and not the coastal women's designs was like you just saw everything in her face in that moment. It was just like, oh, my gosh, you know. Mm. <laughs> and then so she hugged her and it was so amazing. And I think um, I think that's probably the gift that our, our Bubu Etoli gave us, um, yeah, was was the realisation that um, we need to bring back Mekio marks and so that's what we've been doing. Mm bringing back those so there's a really long line of women waiting to be marked (laughs) and I am so slow and behind schedule but anyway (laughs) we'll get there yeah um are there uh, is there another um indigenous woman who has inspired you on your journey or who continues all of them all of them everyone um gosh indigenous women 
Um, I, it, uh, gosh, oh, always my mum and my aunties. Mm. Like they're awesome. But um, from uh, I think it's the women that I've danced with um, in Tairi. Their um, oh my gosh, at the conservatoire, their approach, um, uh, it's next level. Basically, I learnt from them um, our motto, which is um, old to new old. So, like you know, you um, you understand how you move in the past, and then you you make it for the present. And um, I think, yeah, it's the women at the conservatoire in in Papete. Um, Vanina, Moon, <laughs> Mami Louise. Um, yeah, they're amazing, inspirational women. Um, who else? Just all of the women, all of the women that I'm fortunate enough to meet and um, talk to and mark. Um, but who else? Uh, oh, our daughters. All those young ones, they're so lucky and they're so strong. When you raise your children to be strong and speak their mind, it backfires. <laughs> but them, yeah. I have a yeah. two-year-old who speaks her mind. Oh, good luck. <laughs> you wait. It's going to be so good but so painful. <laughs> yeah, I get comments and go, man, you're ruthless. You're straight up. You're thus. I go, oh, wait till you meet my daughter. <laughs> I know. It's true. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um. We, we've talked quite a bit about <clears throat> the negative effects of colonization and we, we live in this world today where uh, we're still being colonized and still having Western values preferenced above all of our indigenous values. Um, with that in mind, what is your hope for the future of indigenous women, for your daughter and granddaughters and, and those that are yet to come? God. Um, basically, I want them to um, – oh, if you strip it all back, um, I just want them to love themselves because as soon as you can do that, then everything else is a no-brainer. Then you can say no to um, other people's perspectives that they throw on you and their perceptions and their whatever – um, and being able to connect to um, um, their own truth like in a real and very honest way um, so that they can – I honestly, um, what colonisation has done for our women is not only has it stripped them of all their mana and like um, it, it's – we – if we can only learn um, uh, to like – who we are like fuck, that that just pisses me like it pisses me off so much <laughs> that we have to constantly deal with this I idea of what beauty is that doesn't has never fit us mm. um but it's completely and totally based on us like everything about us is what they want for themselves and yet they manage to um teach us to hate it hate ourselves like seriously when you actually uh, I, I, it's really hard to be positive. Um, but, yeah, no, it is. It's just um, wanting our daughters and the next generation, and not just our daughters, our, our everyone, to love themselves and actually understand that where we come from is 
far, far superior, I will use the word superior, than to this colonized culture that has been completely, I mean, colonizers themselves have lost what they had in the past. The Mm. Industrial Revolution just smashed them to bits and then they've managed to just destroy the rest of us along with it, you know. Um, So I feel that if we can learn, um, yeah, learn to accept one another and love ourselves, like it's it just it's the basics. Be kind, <laughs> mm. be really kind, be really thankful, um, and yeah, just that's pretty much it. There's so much I could say, but it's like I don't know. I'm just saying shit. <laughs> it's, just, it's the same stuff over and over again. Like yourself, so you can like others, and people can like you. Like it's mm. it's that simple. Mm. Yeah. Ugh. Boring. Oh, and enough of the I, I, me, me. It's an us, a we, not a freaking I want and then I and then they did this to me. Like, yeah, nah. (laughs) (laughs) I deal with that every day. (laughs) No thanks. Yeah, it's – I don't know if it's a generational thing or – No, it's a colonised thing. It's a colonised thing. We work as an in, as individuals and no longer mm. as um, people. Like, and that's not saying that you're not an individual. It's just saying that um, you think of others. It's not just about you. Like, you know, mm. that's that's the issue that we have today. Even now with Tamoko and whatever I want. No, 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 no. You don't want Jack. You sit there. We have a conversation. We work this out together. Um, as opposed to, you know, and then I imagine going up to your grandmother and saying, I want, mm. that just doesn't happen. That actually makes me think of um, something recent I saw <clears throat> with another um, Tamoko artist who, uh, female Tamoko artist who was asked to um, give this person a moko kawai and, and they were sort of made to feel really, really, really bad. They were, they were, they didn't feel bad, but they were tried to make the Tamoko artists feel bad because they said no. And they said, no, I just, it's, it's not the situation. This, this is not safe, a work. safe space for me, so yeah. I'm going to say no. And this um, person felt so entitled mm-hmm. that they were to receive this and that that was the person who was going to give it to them. And from my perspective, I would just think, like, if, if someone doesn't want to give it to you, why would you want it? Because it's not going to be genuine on your skin it's not gonna be a good way to about it me me uh yeah have you ever had a situation like that where you've had to sort of say no to people (laughs) yes uh actually um i uh it's not that i say no um i just wait for them to um decide that it's not going to happen um because it's pretty obvious if you you know if you want it to happen you'll make it happen and if you don't then you don't Mm. and then that's just how it is and my process is not for everybody um yeah it's not and so some people like if you're ready to sort of come into the room and um be honest and open and um not saying that we're perfect but it's definitely a um a collaboration a hardcore collaboration like <laughs> um and everything that we do is yeah i mean it's a little bit different today in that um we're not just marking your age and whether you're ready or um and also marking you know our women now are not like 
they're they're damaged. All of our women are so damaged. And so when they walk in the door, um, the amount of um, pain that you have to process before you even start working out where these marks need to sit on their bodies or, yeah, to be on their bodies to sort of help them transition to the next phase. Like that takes a lot of work and a lot of conversation. And, um, yeah, I mean, people, I always say, I choose what and where, but in reality, it's um, we choose, as in not just myself, but myself, my daughter, and the the women that are in this room when we do this mahi, and we do it together. And then if they're ready, they're ready, and if they're not, they're not. And then it's a two and a two back and forth kind of conversation. And um, and everything that I've ever learned in my life has led to this work. It's just um, the dance, the the visuals, the all, all of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and basically, it is about getting people, um, specifically our women, in a place where um, they can like themselves. From a possibly more practical perspective, can you survive doing this work? Oh, um, man, we live in the minus live? quite a lot, yeah. and um, if I was a normal tattooist. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty certain that I would just, um, you know, to make money you could, but we live in the minus because not, it's sometimes we have work, sometimes we don't. I mean, and not everyone's ready to just sort of come in and be in depth and, you know, whatever. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so no, not really. And do you ever find it hard to to put a number, put a figure on the work to to charge I used to I used to but um not anymore um basically it's um I I charge for the session because no matter how small the marks are or how large um it's the same work for us Mm. um because it's the reading of the person and the placement of the marks that takes the most work um and is the most draining and the marking of skin is probably the easier part of of all of that so yeah no, I, I, not anymore. Mm. I, I think it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Lots of people find it difficult to put a f- to to say the figures. Yeah, and they kind of have to get to the point where you're at and go. Well, this is no, I know my value and I know <laughs> yeah. my worth, and um, I won't undersell um, my family's time. Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to look at it too. Make yeah, because it it, it, yeah, <laughs> it's not about me; it's about <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah, and I really respect the people that work with me um, to make this work happen. Because without them, you know, you not you don't do things um, by yourself. And mm-hmm. if you do, it's it's a really it's really hard. But even those that travel and do their own thing need people. So yeah. Wow. So so you're working on a second documentary mm-hmm. for tip talk when uh, uh, <laughs> i'm like how, how far away L- long time short time <laughs> i am aiming for mid next year to have it complete um so yeah and no, i didn't even realize i was making it until i was in borneo <laughs> oh wow yeah <laughs> and realized that i had no work there i only marked one person who's sitting with us in the room right now georgie <laughs> um but I realized the people that I was with and they were all revivalists um, from the Philippines, from Nagaland in India, from Taiwan, Paiwan. Um, yeah, amazing people that were um, 
yeah, making, using old tools to make old marks um, on new skin. It was like. Old to new old. Yeah, totally, <laughs> old to new old. And that's, um, so it started, yeah, and we've just been, yeah, so it's it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's not, we're, I'm not a filmmaker as in like I, it's, yeah, that 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 was given to me, that name, mm. <laughs> that title. We're just telling our stories. Yeah, Yeah. we're telling our stories. Are there many other women who are doing what you're doing? Uh, With the marks? Yeah, in terms of from the marks from Papua New Guinea, from Melanesia. I'm sure that there would be some here and there. I'm sure there would be, but I don't know if they – I don't know of anyone that works in the way that I do. Mm. Um, Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure that there would be someone somewhere. I'm assuming it'd be egotistical of me to think, no, I am the only one. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's other practitioners, but um, I'm definitely the one that is telling everyone that they need to change the way they look at the world. It's mm. kind of boring. And so you're teaching your daughter. Mm-hmm. Are you teaching other women? Um, I'm teaching the women that want to live and dance with me because if you want to do this mahi, you need to understand the way we think Mm -hmm. and it's not about the design or the end result. It is the process. It is the information that is shared between um, the women in the room whilst you're being marked. It's, um, yeah, you you change your life to do this work and so um, I've already earmarked one of the young girls in Brisbane. Um, she'll be next. I wow. told her. <laughs> I told her and then I told her mother. Um, so, yeah, we'll be going, we'll be continuing more work with her. So she's 15. She's 15, mm. 14 or 15, yeah. And my daughter's been doing this since she was 12. So, wow. yeah. And I'm not interested in teaching um, grown-ass women because of this privileged entitlement and you need to teach me in this way. No, I don't. Mm. You need to change the way you look at the world and I'm I'm not going to – I just don't want that. <laughs> so you got your succession plan sort of. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the younger generation. Yeah, mm. the future's in safe hands. Totally. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, that's That was a great conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I went all over the shop. No, I just wanted to, to say thank you for sharing today. Um, I learned a lot and I actually um, probably want to have a conversation with you after <laughs> we turn this off. So um, thank you so much for inviting us to your fare and for being Nuku number 25. Um, <laughs> and I actually really cannot wait to see what more comes uh, from your work because I've been following it for a while, secretly stalking all the people <gasps> that you mark. And wow. So- <laughs> wow. Confession. <laughs> and so it's been really wonderful to meet you um, and learn more about Melanesian marks. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I'll um, – yeah, no, it's been good. I have I, – I reject this kind of thing, but Emma said that I should do it, so that's why I'm doing it. Oh, thank you, Emma. <laughs> But I really, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm just, yeah, nah, boring. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Thank you.